if you could stand with me as we read the word of our Lord. Um, so we will be in Luke 1, 26 through 38, and then 46 through 55. So in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her, who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Verse 46. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. This is the word of the Lord. You can be seated. It seems really appropriate that a woman with child would uh, be reading that about a woman with child that is coming. So uh, that's awesome. So if Tanner shows up knocking wildly at your door over the next month and says he needs room for his baby to be born, uh, don't say there's no room. So just saying, oh, that's a little tall. Uh, my name is Tim. I'm one of the uh, pastor here, and it's, it's great to, uh, man, it's good, good to be here on this third week of Advent. And if you're a guest here, if you're here for the baptisms, welcome. Uh, love to have you here. It's exciting uh, to just be a part of what our living Savior is doing. Like, uh, none of us can uh, hype things up. Like, I mean, we could, but we don't want to. Like, uh, we don't want to come in here and, like, play at church. We want to actually come in here and have the living Savior of the world, turn this cafeteria for elementary kids into a sanctuary of his presence. And so uh, that's our, our heart this morning. This, this is what we're aiming at this morning. And uh, it's good to be here it, it, on this day of truly the, the Advent focus is joy. And there's a lot for us to have joy about uh, in this room this morning. Um, we're going to have some baptisms in a bit, but before looking at people who have recently 
believed God for their salvation. What we first get to do and the joy that we have first before looking at people who have put their faith in God for their salvation is we get to look at a girl, a girl who believed God for her salvation. Um, and that's in Luke 1, which Kim was reading about. And uh, let me just draw our attention again and, and let you know, um, uh, she said, turn to your Bibles, which of course, uh, if you have the Bible app on your phone or whatever it may be, will be in the ESV app. If, it, if you want the words to, to match up, all modern translations uh, are good. Um, they're all translating from the Greek and Hebrew originals. Um, we're using the ESV here just because it is a good one too. Um, and so it, if though you want a physical copy, um, we have some, uh, you'll see these black hard copies are kind of in every row. If you don't have a Bible at home or you don't have one with you or maybe you have like a super fancy one that you don't feel comfortable writing in and marking up and stuff, uh, this is yours. Take it. It's a gift. Um, if you don't see one close to you on the table out here, we have one. Uh, so don't you, even if you like you have like four buddies who don't have Bibles, like grab four. Like, I mean, that's a, we don't want to put them in a box. We want to have them in people uh, and have us feasting on God's words to us. So uh, we're at verse 26 of chapter 1. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed, a word we don't use very often, it just means engaged, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and he said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. Just a, a little pause there. Um, where does your heart go? Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. Imagine as you're like laying down to sleep tonight, your room is filled with light and an angel is standing in front of you and says, greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. I mean, I think once I survived the initial shock, um, I think where my heart would go is to my circumstances. It's like, oh, he's, he's with me? I would think about, I think I can do tomorrow. I think I can step into tomorrow. He's with me. And so it's interesting, like this is how uh, God is directing Gabriel to lead the conversation. Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. Verse 29, but she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. First time this has ever happened to her. She's never been greeted by this type of being with those types of words ever before. The angel Gabriel, interestingly, there are only three angels in all of history and in all of scripture. Uh, we're pretty, Jesus said he could have, he could have requested 100,000, 100,000 angels. So whatever the, the math and multiplication is on that. But so we know there are at least 100 million angels, probably is a fair estimate. But there's only three of them that we know their name. And that's Lucifer, who was an angel and now is, is, uh, is Satan. Lucifer, Michael, and then people think the person who replaced Lucifer is Gabriel. 
So those are the only three angels that we actually know their name in Scripture. And so Gabriel is walking in the door. So consider that, first of all. When when he introduces himself as Gabriel to Mary, she would know who who he is. God himself, though, this is what's crazy. Imagine that moment when God communicates to Gabriel. Gabriel's not all-knowing, only God is. Gabriel's a creature. He's not the creator. The creator speaks to one of his creation, to Gabriel, and says, hey, go to Nazareth. The angels know the prophecies. The angels know of the Savior that's been promised for all of humanity to undo works of Lucifer, to undo works of the flesh. So Gabriel is dispatched by God to a place where people in the New Testament would even say later, does anything good come out of Nazareth? And Gabriel is sent there from the inner place of heaven to this place to tell a virgin girl who's engaged to Joseph, Mary. And I just imagine as Gabriel is departing to go to Mary, there must have been a passion and an excitement that he knew what all humans had been waiting for and longing for. He just got the assignment to come and say, it is underway. It is happening. It is happening today is when it starts. It's stunning that Gabriel doesn't have to tell Mary right away not to freak out. Okay, we saw that with Zechariah. We see that in other places where just when an angel shows up, the first thing they have to do is like, don't scream. (laughs) You know, like, don't be afraid. I know my presence is a little much to take in. But he doesn't say that to Mary at first. It doesn't seem to bother her that one of the most powerful beings to have ever been created is standing in front of her. It doesn't seem to bother her. Instead, if you read the text closely here, what seems to bother her is why God favors her and why God is for her. So, I mean, this is a, a strange example, but it would be as if Donald Trump just like knocks on my door south of town here and just knocks on my door and I open the door and and he's like, hey, I've got a billion dollars for you. And I'm like, and the first thought I have is, a billion dollars, really? Really, a billion dollars, that's amazing. Like, I go straight to what he's talking about, not to be like, what? You're right here in front of me? Like, I mean, my, I would be overwhelmed with the fact that he is standing just like, I mean, my dogs would be barking at him, and it would just be like this surreal experience that, like, he is right in front of me. Uh, then it would be hard for me to even comprehend what he's telling me. And what's amazing with Mary is Gabriel is standing in front of her, and all she is overwhelmed by and troubled by is what he's told her. It's kind of like, oh, you... Like, it's almost as if just Joe Schmo is standing in front of her because I think of her view of God. Her view of God is of such magnitude that for her to know that an angel has been sent just to tell her that she's loved by God is, uh, moves her, moves her greatly. The Lord is with you, and there's a humility in her, a presence with her that in that moment, 
What shocks her is God being mentioned and how he views her. And then look at verse 30. The angel said to her, do not be afraid. It seems like instead of most angels are telling people, don't be afraid of the angelic presence in front of you. But it's swapped in this part. And it seems like he's saying, I know you fear God, but like, don't be afraid that he's near to you. Don't be afraid that, yes, you are loved by him. Don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Gabriel mentions it again. Verse 31, behold, you will conceive in your womb, bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. This is coming from the mouth of one of the most powerful angels. Verse 32, he will be great and will be called the son of the most high. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. Angels have seen every kingdom come and go and to say, like, I get to proclaim to you the true king is coming and his kingdom will be unstoppable. Her fear doesn't seem to be connected with the angel, but connected with her reverence for God. She is troubled why such a great God would be sending an angel to speak with her. The angel reiterates that she has found favor with God. Then she will conceive a son in her womb, and his name will be Jesus. He will be the son of the Most High. He will fulfill all the prophecies of David's lineage. We looked at it uh, two weeks ago. We looked at Isaiah 9, Isaiah 53, these majestic chapters of the Bible talking about how through David's line, the king of all kings will come, who even David will call his Lord. He will reign forever. His kingdom will never stop. Mary's response in verse 34, Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? Not that people thought she was a virgin, but she really wasn't. But she truly, God, by his grace, power, she truly is a virgin. Mary asks a question, but where Zechariah, just before this, his question is clearly in doubt because Gabriel has to flex his muscles and be like, I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. Whatever I tell you, you can take to the bank. But here, Mary's just kind of like, like, can I see around the corner a little bit? I'm a virgin. How is this going to work out for me to have a baby? We can tell by Gabriel's response that Gabriel just simply is letting her know how this is going to happen in verse 35. The angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. Jesus will be 100% God and not 10% man. But Jesus is going to be 100% God and 100% man, 100% man. He's fully God to be strong enough to actually fix what needs fixing. And he's fully man to actually pay what needs to be paid, the penalty of death, the penalty of sin. Verse 36, and behold, your relative Elizabeth, like he's doing this all through miraculous things. So there can be no coincidences. Elizabeth most certainly had already passed through menopause. Her hope of just any chance of having a baby was just not even possible anymore. So you have a virgin and you have a post-menopausal woman. And here Gabriel's even like, oh, and hey, Elizabeth, by the way, uh, she's pregnant. 
And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. So no phones, no text messaging. Like they lived in different parts of Israel. And she just had no idea that her aunt is, uh, is pregnant. Verse 36, for nothing will be impossible with God. Coming from the mouth of one who has seen impossible things made possible. And he can just say, nothing is impossible with God. And Mary said, oh my gosh, like, would this be our, Lord, would you make her response our response with the things that you call us to that are, that just could scare us to death, but nothing is impossible with you. And would we follow our sister Mary in her faith by this being our faith? Look what Mary said, behold, I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. So it's kind of like sometimes we have that saying like, God will never give you anything that you can't handle. That's like hogwash. God gives us stuff we can't handle all the time. I think the appropriate thing is God will never give us something that he can't handle. That his power can't see through. And so she says, man, according to your word, like, I'm trusting your word on this. If I'm having a baby, that means I'm not going to be stoned to death for having, you know, people are going to think that I slept around because we're not married yet and all this stuff. But instead, Mary just says, hey, let it be done according to your word. And who knows? Maybe they sat around and had coffee. I don't know what the interaction, but we don't ever hear Gabriel mentioned again until he shows up to shepherds and he's like, He's here. Your Savior is here. He's over there. Mary visits Elizabeth, her aunt. It's an awesome moment where Elizabeth is able to encourage Mary and even call Mary's baby her Lord. Our God is working powerfully in women of God to see their Savior come. Mary then writes a song. And we don't know if Mary had ever written music before, but she's compelled to write a song um, after visiting her aunt. Verse 46 starts the song. My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. So let's make sure we call her blessed, because her faith, her being on board with what God is doing um, we don't worship her, but we worship God, thanking him for such a, such a young lady that would have faith that whatever God calls her to, she believes that he can do. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name, and his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. I love here that Mary is excited. She actually has joy. Man, sometimes like you hear somebody that's like, well, I'm just doing what God called me to do. It's hard. I might be killed for it, but it's hard. And, and, and it's almost like a martyr complex. I mean, we were able, Patty and I last weekend, were able to see a family to the airport who were, who were flying to a city that has eight times the people in that city eight times the people as the entire state of Iowa. So take eight Iowas and put it in one city. 
And we had friends who were flying there, will potentially be arrested, but they're going there because Jesus has radically changed him. He was on the streets of, of, a, of a city in India as a heroin addict for years and met Jesus, was radically changed, made his way to the United States, uh, got married, and now they're going back to just shine a light for all to see uh, in India. And um, they had joy. They were excited because, man, wherever, if we are in a place where God wouldn't want us to be, that is dreadful. When we are exactly where God has us, that is the most peaceful, joyful, passionate place that you could possibly be in your life. And that's where Mary is. And so in her song, she's just, she's excited and she has joy that God has looked on her humble estate, the humble situation of his servant. She even knows as God does this that all generations will be aware of her story and will call her blessed for being used by God in such a powerful way. And that's not prideful, like people being baptized today, for them to be like, what I am doing today may have generational impact that my children would know of a king that I have just met, and my children would have the peace and the joy of following him for a lifetime, and may then lead their children, who may lead their children, and this moment today may be remembered in a family's lineage for God's work in just one person's life. And Mary just owns that and steps into that. He, she rejoices in God, her Savior. This song, though, is from someone who recognizes that she is like us. Romans 3.23 is true of me, and it's true of her, and this is it. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Mary is going to be giving birth to the one who made her. That'll blow your mind. Mary is giving birth to the one who made her and is the one who will save her from her sins. There's a great um, lyric in a song that says, the baby in her womb was the maker of the moon. She recognizes that God has chosen her to do his will. She wasn't chosen because of her greatness, but she believed in God's greatness in being able to turn rags to riches, being able to turn one who is far from, from, from him to one who is near, able to lift up those in humble places. How can she feel this way? Here's what's crazy. Her focus is not on her circumstances. Her focus is not on all that is going to cost her, but look at verse 49. Verse 49 tells us her focus and how she can have joy. The thing she reaches for first as her anchor through the chaos that's going to come is the unchanging character of God. So if she just looked in the mirror and was like, come on, you can do this. We got this. Let's try really hard. And like, I know people are going to not believe you and all this stuff, but you can do this. Like if she's just like psyching herself up, man, that's not going to, that's not going to see her through. And what I love is instead of her having her focus on herself in her song, she instantly goes to what type of a God is this? What type of a God is this who would do such a thing like this? She has no idea exactly how this is going to play out, but she knows her God is holy. He is perfect in goodness. He is perfect in goodness. He's holy. She knows her God is powerful. Nothing is too hard for him. No request is above him. 
And she knows that her God is merciful. He will never overlook or fail to do good to his own. So, man, like, I mean, if I was walking into a courtroom and I knew nothing about the character of the judge, I might be like, man, if I go in there, this could be the ruin of me. But instead, she knows that the heart of her God is the closer you get to him, the more mercy you receive from him. He is merciful. So Mary first sings about who God is, and the rest of her song, sorry, verse 51, the rest of her song is a celebration around who receives help from a God like this. She sings about who God helps, verse 51. He has shown strength with his arm, and he has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. You could almost put like two columns what he says about the proud, the strong, those who are trying to do it their way, and then what he sees about those who realize that they want someone else and need someone else and are looking to someone else. So look at these categories. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones. He is mighty, and he brings down the mighty because for their good, they need to see that he is strong. Brought down the mighty from their thrones, and he has exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. Isn't that, man, if we just be like, hey, I'm just going all in with money. It's like, man, I'm sorry. It's going to, the Lord may allow you to have your way with that, and you may go deep into the world of money, but it's not going to fill your soul and you will get to where you're surrounded by stuff and you feel empty. The rich he has sent away empty. He has filled the hungry with good things. Those who hunger for more than what money could bring. Those who are hungering for him. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. And he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring. We see there in, in 54 and 55 that uh, Mary shows that her son, the God of Israel, he's the God of Abraham. God is a promise-keeping God. All of the promises that I think the people of God thought that the Roman Empire had just beat all the promises out of the world. And that those promises that God had said, surely they can't actually take place. And Mary's like, yeah, the one in my womb is the one who is keeping all the promises of all the prophecies and all that says that, that the Savior of the world is in route. The angel tells Mary that she is going to be giving birth to Earth's Savior. She knows the heart of her God. If she was just looking at her resume, she didn't have what it takes. But when she looks at God's resume and realizes he is good, holy, powerful, and merciful, she simply believes that God can do anything that he says he's going to do. If he can do anything, if he can have a virgin give birth to a savior, what can he do in our lives? What he's calling us to, what he's calling us into, the change that he's calling to make us do. With Gabriel saying, he can do anything. Nothing's impossible with him. Things that maybe you prayed about for decades and you're like, ah, eh, maybe he's not up to it. For us to, to reignite those and to let him reignite those, not to look at our circumstances, but to look at the God of our circumstances, that he can do these things 
Mary responded in faith, and so has Peyton responded in faith. Jimmy has responded in faith. Crystal has responded in faith. And so, so as we see the prophecies, as we see Mary saying, I think he could do this, we actually now are on the other side of it to say she was right. He did do those things. He did come. God, 100% God, 100% man, he came and he lived a perfect life in our place. He lived the life we should live but can't live because of our sin. That's our bent. He came and lived perfect life in our place. He taught us how to follow him, how to thrive in him, and then he died on the cross paying the penalty of our sins. He didn't hold back one ounce of himself from us. He bought our souls for God on that tree that he made. The grave, though, couldn't hold him. The grave couldn't hold him. He defeated death and rose from the dead so that all of us can have everlasting life through faith. He did the work so that we could respond. It's a gift. Someone comes up to you on Christmas Day and is like, hey, I've got this amazing gift that I just gave everything so you could have this gift. And my first response is, what's, it, like, what's the angle? Or my first response is, okay, how much do you want for it? What do I have to do? What penance do I have to pay? What, you know, uh, oh, hey, well, let me go away and live like a kind of a good life for 10 years. And then when I come back, you'll see that like I'm worthy of the gift. Like all of that would just be, he'd be like, what? No, you have no, I actually want to give you this gift that has cost me everything because I actually love you and want you to be with me. And your response is nothing other than receiving the gift that I've given to you for his joy and for your joy. And that's Crystal, Jimmy, Peyton today entering these waters of baptism. So what we're going to do is let's just like, let's worship God for that that's the type of God he is. So what we're going to do is we're going to just worship him. That's going to give a little bit of time for the people being baptized to come up. We're going to have the oldest kids come in here. So we're just going to get a little crazy in this place. And so uh, we're going to have some kids in here because we want them to see God at work in our midst. And then, um, man, I know for me, like I'm going to watch some NFL games today. And uh, I've got my fantasy people that, you know, I want to see them do good. So I'll, I'll probably get a little rowdy in my living room, hopefully, when my guys are beating my son's guys. Um, and that's like, that's a meaningless football game. Some could argue that maybe there's like an ounce of meaning in it, right? But it's grown men playing a game and we're cheering, right? So that's, it's not that big of a deal. This is a big deal. These are lives that have been changed, that desire others to see that their life has been changed. And changed lives want to see other lives change because they've received the gift that is given to all of us. So it's okay if you want to scream a little, cheer a little, jump up and down a little bit as people are being baptized. And if that's not you, don't do that. But if you're going to scream in a living room later today, um, this would be a very appropriate place for us to allow our emotions to connect to the moment and to thank God for what he's doing. So guys, come on in. We're going to have an amazing time here in a second. But first, let's all worship God together. Feel free to stand up as you guys all come in.